number 080223, a rendering of each of six episodes. Episode 1, A Year with the Church Fathers. Cross the Bridge to Heaven, St. Ephraim the Syrian. Homily on Our Lord, 4. Episode 2, Through the Year with Thomas Merton. Doing Great Things, New Seeds of Contemplation. Episode number 3, Magnificat, February 2023, Volume 24, Number 12. Item number 1, a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, Chapter 7, Verses 14 through 23. Item number 2, Meditation of the Day. Pure of Heart and Mind. Episode number four, God's Little Instruction Book, one, two, and three, by Honor Brooks. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Golden Nugget number two, inspired by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse seven, and verse eight. Golden Nugget number three, inspired by Romans, chapter 14, verse 19. Episode number five, Chesterson Day by Day, the Neapolitan of Notting Notting Hill. Episode six, Apathy Epidemic, Paul's Letter to the Ephesians. Episode number one, Cross the Bridge to Heaven. In a striking metaphor, St. Ephraim the Syrian imagines Jesus the carpenter making his own cross into a bridge to heaven. Because the tree in Eden brought death, it is fitting that a tree also brings us to life. This is the son of the carpenter who skillfully made his cross a bridge over Sheol, Sheol that swallows up all and brought over mankind into the dwelling of life. And because it was through the tree that mankind had fallen into Sheol, so upon the tree they passed over into the dwelling of life. Through the tree in which bitterness was tasted, through it also sweetness was tasted, so that we might learn of him that among the creatures nothing resists him. Glory be to you, who laid your cross as a bridge over death that souls might pass over on it from the dwelling of the dead to the dwelling of life. In God's presence, consider, does it help my resolution to imagine the cross as a narrow bridge over a gapping chasm? Closing prayer. To you, Lord, be glory, who by your cross took away the heathenism in which both circumcised and uncircumcised were caused to stumble. To you be praised, the medicine of life, who have converted all that are baptized to him who is life of all and Lord of all. Episode number two, Doing Great Things. There are men dedicated to God whose lives are full of restlessness and who have no real desire to be alone. Interior solitude is impossible for them. They fear it. They do everything they can to escape it. What is worse, 
They try to draw everyone else into activities as senseless and as devouring as their own. They are great promoters of useless work. They love to organize meetings and banquets and conferences and lectures. They print circulars, write letters, talk for hours on the telephone in order that they may gather a hundred people together in a large room where they will all fill the air with smoke and make a great deal of noise and roar at one another and clap their hands and stagger home at last, patting one another on the back with assurance that they have all done great things to spread the kingdom of God. Episode number three. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. Jesus summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person. But the things that come out from within are what defile. When he got home away from the crowd, his disciples questioned him about the parable. He said to them, Are even you likewise without understanding? Do you not realize that everything that goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart, but the stomach, and passes out into the latrine. Thus he declared all foods clean. But what comes out of the man, that is, what defiles him? From within the man, from his heart, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile the gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the day, pure of heart and mind. The word of God, by forcing man to put his finger, as it were, on his sin, that is, his innate enslavement to pride and selfish sensuality, puts him on guard against the principal cause of his gravest errors. Divine grace brings him the only effective help in eradicating sin, but to do this we still have to yield to the exhortations of the word and the appeals of grace. We still have to resist selfish passions and to strive for that self-control which man can attain only by voluntary submission to the Lordship of God in Christ. This involves us in an asceticism that is a spiritual training in which contemplation will hold the first place. By that we mean a conscious and willing effort to turn away from everything that encourages our evil tendencies simply in order to make us slaves. This contemplative attitude, however, will not arise out of a vacuum. You cannot get rid of evil thoughts simply by rejecting them. They must be driven out by good thoughts. The Christian who dedicates and applies himself to this renewal and perfection of himself, beginning with his intelligence, will develop above all his ability to recognize the truth. To the degree that he develops it, he will see more and more clearly how every search for the truth tends, consciously or unconsciously, towards God. As this orientation grows more definitive and stronger, it will all the more obliterate in us all causes of error. 
First, it will immunize us against the manifold tendencies to deception that our pride and pleasure-seeking selfishness are bound to encourage in us. It will make us clear-minded by gradually freeing us from sensual urges and prejudices. This purification and enrichment of the intelligence will go hand-in-hand with the reformation and refashioning of our will. As the intelligence cannot be renewed without an effective effort of the will, so the will is strengthened by the regeneration of the intelligence, the heart in the biblical sense of the word, that new heart called into being in us by the divine word, is not just the source of our feelings, nor is it the will alone. It is the will regarded as inseparable from the intelligence, the will animated by a renewed intelligence. Our heart, in this sense, has to have heard the appeal of God's heart to have been touched by the love that belongs only to God in order to become itself capable of experiencing it, or rather living it. And no doubt the divine love poured into our hearts by the Spirit of God will not conquer it without many conscious and repeated efforts on our part. But all this will be set in motion by the growth of charity in us, constantly animated and kept awake, and finally victorious only insofar as our faith is enriched by the knowledge of the love with which God has loved us in Jesus Christ, loves us today, and so to speak, surrounds us on every side. Episode number four, God's Little Instruction Book. The measure of a man is not how great his faith is, but how great his love is. Inspired by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Real friends are those who when you're made a fool of yourself, don't feel you've done a permanent job. Inspired by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Be careful that your marriage doesn't become a duel instead of a duet. Inspired by Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Episode number five. That which is large enough for the rich to covet is large enough for the poor to defend. The Napoleon of Notting Hill. Episode number Six, Apathy Epidemic Rouse thyself, thou who sleepest, and rise from the dead, and the Christ shall shine on thee. St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 14. Too often, we do, too often do we become diverted in the cares of mass and social media, teleporting through the computer frames and cellular devices to a land sadistically bent on self-worship. 
It seems these days that at birth we are plunged into a computer grid of ever-distracting chaos, gazing on a vacant throne only occupied by phantoms of our own fantasies. This is something that has been talked about over the last few decades throughout Acamedia and scattered across millions of blogs. We are losing ourselves in distraction, letting our hearts beat with the sound of incoming notifications and likes. As of late, we've seen the media frenzy over uh, Caitlyn Jennifer and Hollywood's cultish fan club that enforce his decision to mutilate himself. Even a bot was used on Twitter to change masculine nouns to feminine ones when posting about him forcing people not just to tolerate the issue, but bow their knees to it. Worship over his appearance on Vanity Fair has ensued, and those who do not prostrate before the cover icon refuse at their own demise, excommunicated from a new social norm. Such is the state of today. The world is getting worse, and it might keep going that direction. But too often do we swallow the pill of the media, even if it is in the negative. The worship at Caitlyn Jennifer and the treatment of those who do not bow down is a reality. However, it is only another blindfold to the true epidemic of our times. There is something more sinister happening other than Jennifer that is eating at the very core of our beings and the fabric of humanity. Nietzsche began to sing a lullaby that has been blasted into our ears across time, sending a dramatic wave of slumber and apathy down to our very age. In this dream world, lethargy exists so profound that seeking has been put to death and replaced with dispiritedness. Death to the world's publication was birthed in a time when there was unrest, rebellion, and disgust with the material core of our society. Now there's nothing. Lack of movement exists and frivolity has become the norm. Why do we wonder, then, that Jennifer is worshipped? There is no question. There is just complete obedience to the media machine that seeks to stamp God out of every last one of us, that seeks to break the legs of the resistant in order to force obeisance. We cannot serve two masters, and it is too often that we jump up to post our own opinions, giving into the murky pool of lukewarm spirit. God is not updated like your iOS software. He does not change with the times. The concrete universal truth of his church, built on the blood of martyrs, should not just be referenced like a Google search or a Wiki article. It is not to be rationalized by an ever-changing swarm of modern ideas and opinion. It is for transformation and renewal, for both crucifixion and resurrection of the mind. Celestics who have become saints of our times did not attain Christ through educated hypotheses or book learning, but through crucifixion of the mind and a renewal of self in the image of Christ. They woke up and refused to slumber. Sleeper, Christ is calling you. Arise from the apathy epidemic and open your eyes to a cause for life 
and give up your senseless world, refuse the dreamland of this age and drift from the pools of the lukewarm, rise and fight for the kingdom of heaven is taken by the violent and the violent take it by force. We do not receive life without shedding sweat and blood. Let us rise from the smoggy clouds of sloth, regard our comfort as chains and embraces crucifixion for renewal and resurrection. Awake and die to thyself.